1: Tonight we have a visit from The Saint, portrayed by Vincent Price. He was a pretty amazing guy. He was an American actor best known for his performances in horror films, although his career spanned other genres as well, film noir, drama, mystery, thriller, even comedy. He appeared on stage, television, and radio, and in more than 100 films. He has two stars in the Hollywood Walk of Fame, one for motion pictures and one for television. He was an art collector and art consultant with a degree in art history, and he lectured and wrote books on that subject. He was also a noted gourmet cook. Tonight we hear him as the saint in an episode required, at at least entitled, Author of a Murder."
3: Mr. Templar, I'm asleep. Mr. Templer. Noisy dream. You're not dreaming, That's Mr. what you say. I'm alone in my bedroom. I'm in bed. It's Oh, not... but you're not alone. I'm here. Go away. I'm sorry. I didn't climb into your bedroom in the middle of the night merely to go away again. What did you expect? A 21-gun salute? I expect your attention. You can't see me, can you? No, I'd be even happier if I couldn't hear you. But I can see you, however... You're silhouetted against the window behind you. That was cunning of me. It helps me aim the gun I'm pointing at you. I'm so glad. I'd hate to have your aim suffer. What do I do now? Get up, put the lights on? You don't do anything of the kind. No? Why? Are you shy? Yeah. Let's say I'm shy. (laughs) That's why you insist on holding this conversation with me in the dark. The conversation, obviously, that wouldn't be about the weather. What would it be about? Well... I'm a writer. A writer and shy? Nonsense. I need some advice. The only advice I can give all writers is don't. I'm writing a book about murder. I'm calling it the story of a perfect crime. Sounds interesting. Thank you. What I came here for was to have you tell me whether or not the murder my book
2: deals with is really a perfect crime. Go on. The man to be murdered, in my book that is, suffers from heart disease. He's a completely
3: unpleasant character, a financier and a crooked one. A man who deserves to die. Mm-hmm, and he suffers from heart disease. For this condition, he takes daily at stated hours, capsules containing medicine. Capsules upon which his life depends. Now then, the murderer, in my book that is, decides to poison the financier. Well that's not cricket. No, it's murder. Murder that will be poisoning without poison. I'm waiting breathlessly for the next chapter.
2: The murderer steals one of the capsules, pours the medicine out, and
3: replaces the medicine with powdered sugar. He returns the capsule to the financier's pillbox. In due course, the financier reaches the capsule, takes it. His weak heart, lacking the medicine he needs, fails. And there you have poisoning without poison. Mmm, very ingenious. (laughs) I think so. The poisoner can't be traced through the poison he purchased because he didn't purchase any. The murdered man is assumed to have died a natural death. An autopsy will show no poison in his body since there wasn't any. (laughs) Well, is it the perfect crime? I can't see any flaws in it. Good. Then if you can't, I don't imagine the critics will. Don't you mean the uh, police? The police? Why should the police be interested in a book I'm writing? Why should the critics be interested in the murder you're committing? You're not serious. You are. I
2: I rather think I must leave now. Be getting light soon. No, no, don't move. I still have the gun pointing at you. If I had to shoot you, it wouldn't be
3: a perfect crime, but you'd be dead nonetheless. (laughs) But that wouldn't interest you, would it? Well, good night, Mr. Templar, and uh, pleasant dreams. Thanks.
4: Loads.
3: Coffee? Your toast, Mr. Templar, And the morning paper. Oh, thank you. Uh, you're up early this morning, aren't you? I, uh, I couldn't sleep. Hey, any resemblance between this toast and toast is purely coincidental. What does your chef do, tan the stuff? Oh, no, Mr. Templer. Well, he probably uses old shoe leather. Hey, what's the matter? Don't you like the headlines? Can't say that I do. Frank A. Clark, noted financier, dies of heart attack as police arrest him for alleged embezzlement. Oh. Was he a friend of yours, Mr. Templer? No. But he was a financier, he was crooked, and he had a weak heart. <laughs> I wonder he died when he got arrested. Depends on whether he took medicine in, uh, capsules. What depends on that, sir? Murder, my friend. Murder.
4: Taxi! Hey,
3: taxi! I... Oh no, Louis. Oh yeah, Louis. Out of all the taxi cabs in this city, why do I keep getting yours? Out
2: of all the fares in this city, why do I keep getting you?
3: You have a point there. I'll go right home and shop. You stay where you are. You want to go home with me? No. What's the matter with my home? Nothing. But... I live there, don't I? My wife lives there, my kids live there. You have no children. Don't get personal. I'm sorry. Man spends every
2: spare minute he's got hoping Louis. Did Julius Caesar have children? Did Alexander the Great have children? Did Napoleon have children? Yes. Me, they didn't
3: send an announcement to. Louis, will you please drive me to 1893 Waterview Drive? I'm in a hurry. Okay,
2: okay. 1893 Waterview Drive. Who
3: lives there? A gentleman named Frank A. Clark. Except that he doesn't live there, Louis. He's uh, dead there. going to keep company with a corpse, Mr. Templer? I am going to visit his surviving relatives, if any. Why? Does it occur to you that it might be none of your business? Sure. It's none of your business? Well, now that we got that clear, why are you going to visit his relatives? Louie, stop the car, quick. Oh, Louis, uh, stop. What happened? We've reached 1893 Waterview Drive. Oh, I'm careless about little details like that. <laughs> Here, Louie, and don't forget to mention it to your income tax collector. I'll write to him. Hey, don't you want me to wait? No, but you will, Louie, you will
5: Hello, hello there
3: Hello uh, This is the Clark home, isn't it?
5: Sure, and I'm a Clark niece And you're...
3: Simon Templar, uh, an old friend of your uncle's
5: You're not old Well, I... Uh... And you're not a friend of my uncle's Come in anyway Oh, thank you because maybe you can be a friend of
3: mine. Huh. In here. Uh, tell me, uh, do you need a friend?
5: No, but I like them when they're as tall as you. And... Oh, my name is Inez. Inez Francis. I'm
3: very glad to know you, Miss Francis.
5: It probably won't be when you really get to know me.
3: Hmm. I realize perhaps I shouldn't have come today. You must be all broken up by your uncle's death. Who, Me? Well, perhaps the family. Huh? Well,
5: that's me. I'm the family.
3: Your uncle must have been a lonely man.
5: No, he didn't mind. He had me in the market and all those people he was swindling. Oh, and of course he had Mr. Hartzell and Charlie Melvin.
3: Who are Hartzell and Charlie Melvin?
5: Charlie's sort of a weedy youth. Uncle's secretary, very anemic. I ignore him. And Hartzell? Uncle's lawyer. And I fondly suspect as big a crook as Uncle was. But very spatted, you know. Spatted? Uh-huh. On the shoes. And gardenia'd in the buttonhole. And I have a sneaking suspicion whiskied in the liver. How
3: untidy. That Nobody else close to Uncle?
5: Nope.
3: Then it boils down to one of you three. What does? Who's happy now that Uncle's dead?
5: I am Hartzell is. Charlie is. That
3: covers the field. Why?
5: Uncle had a lot of money. I get it now. Hartzell stole some money from Uncle. He won't go to jail now. Charlie was implicated in Uncle's crooked deal. Charlie won't go to jail now.
4: Mm.
3: And, uh, who has a, a deep, slightly hoarse voice? I don't. No. Which means that you're not the one who came to my room last night.
5: No, but if you ask prettily, perhaps I'll come tonight.
3: I know. But... To look at
5: your etchings.
3: I don't have any etchings.
5: I'll well, bring some with me.
3: Um, are the others
5: around? Mm-hmm. Sitting around practicing grief stricken looks for the funeral. That happy event is this afternoon. I'd better get dressed for it. But
3: you are dressed.
5: Ah, uh, but not for a funeral. Would you excuse me for just a minute? Oh, of course. Oh. oh,
3: here you are, Nick.
5: Greetings, Mr. Templer. This is Charlie. Charlie, this is Mr. Templer.
3: Glad to meet you. How do you do?
5: He doesn't. Better turn Mr. Templer for me, Charlie. I gotta find a dress that's sad looking. I'd like to stay and entertain and you, but um, I've got to hurry. You see, I'm Mr. Clark's secretary.
3: In his and condition, I... he doesn't need a secretary.
5: <laughs> well, I'm Mr. Clark's former secretary. No, no, I'm the former Mr. Clark's... Sec-
3: no, I get I... it now. Relax.
5: Oh, I'm relaxed.
3: Well, then why are you in such a hurry?
5: Well, I have to go out and hire some mourners, haven't I? Why? Well, it wouldn't look nice if there were only three of us at the funeral. My nears Mr. Hartsel and myself.
3: No, especially since you'll all be grinning from ear to ear. May I ask you a question? Of course. Has your voice ever been deeper?
4: Deep? <laughs> Heaven, no. <laughs> Ta-ta.
3: Goodbye. Charlie, my boy. Or is he, my boy? Oh, this... oh good morning. <laughs> good morning. Uh, my name is Templar, and I'm... Uh, Hartzell is my name. I- I'm sorry. I-, I can't talk to you now. I'm in a hurry. Why? Uh, my tailor's expecting me. Your tailor? You'd hardly expect me to attend Mr. Clark's funeral in this, would you? Impossible. Oh, you see? So, if you don't mind, I'll just run along. Oh. Yes? What are you doing here? Looking for a man with a deep voice. Oh, sorry, mine isn't. But why are you looking for a man with a deep voice? He told me how Mr. Clark was murdered. Well, that explains it. What? Yes, he was murdered. But but Mr. Clark died of heart failure. Indeed. You must be a, a... I demand an explanation immediately. You've forgotten one thing, Mr. Harker. What's that? Your tailor is waiting. But I- And tailors are sometimes very temperamental. Besides, we can discuss this some other time. This evening? This evening. Uh, here's my card. I- I'd appreciate your coming. If Mr. Clark was murdered, something must be done about it. Something will be. Gate. Enter. Ah. Oh, Templar, as I live on sufferance and breathe with difficulty. Templar. <laughs> Hello, Desmond. What happy winds waft you hither, Simon the Suttle? Uh, Desmond, I'm not an audience. Oh, Templar, I'm an old ham. And contrary to what they say, hams do not improve by aging. Still a gay adventurer? Well, I'm not especially gay at the moment. Murder. Oh. The last murder that was of any interest to me was that Elsinore thing. You know, when Claudius and Gertrude put their heads together and slipped Gertrude's royal husband a slug of poison in the ear. I remember it well. And the fat prince, uh, uh, Hamlet, I think his name was, mooned about like a ninny, sending Ophelia to a watery grave and the rest of the cast to a most bloody one.
4: (laughs) You, you would have
3: made a good Hamlet.
4: Bless you!
3: Oh, I, I wanted to play Hamlet. Instead, they preferred me as a ventriloquist, confound them. That's why I'm here. You've been a ventriloquist. Uh, I'm involved in a case which hangs on the identity of a voice. Desmond, could anyone change his voice so that it would be completely different from his real voice? Oh, yes. But you'd always know that the second voice wasn't natural. That does it, then. Does what, Simon? Look, Desmond, three people wanted a man named Clark dead. Clark is dead. Presumably, therefore, one of the three kills Clark. Yes. Now, I was told of the method whereby Clark was going to be killed, by a very distinctive voice in the dark. Therefore, the problem was simple. Find which of my three suspects had a voice like that and go on from there. Well? Not one of the three has that kind of voice, which leaves me with an interesting problem, but leaves the murderer free to go on murdering. (laughs) dead. Louie, I want the nearest bookstore.
2: You can't have it. It belongs to a guy named Pestlefoy. <laughs> Would you please drive me there quickly? Okay. <laughs> What's the matter? You suddenly decided you want to curl up in front of a fire
3: with a good book? Uh, for that, I'd rather have Inez. Uh, no, Louis. I merely want to find out how a man can die of poisoning without being poisoned. didn't stay in that bookstore very long. What's the matter? He didn't like Pestle uh, He didn't have the book I wanted. I know a place. Uh, not that kind of book, Louis. What I wanted was a book on heart diseases.
2: Oh, life reading, huh? Interesting. Heart diseases? These
3: stores had one book on heart disease in stock until yesterday. So? Yesterday, the book was sold to a man, Pestle Thwaites told me, who behaved in a strenuously agitated fashion. A man named... Harto. Maybe the name was bothering you. Which reminds me, where am I taking you? Naturally, Louis, to a man named Harto. Harto in or uh, on his way to Mexico or. Uh... In. Mr. Templer Yes, Mr. Uh, come in, come in at once Oh, thank you Oh, I'm jittery that, that funeral this afternoon I see Well, have you tried reading? It's very soothing I have no patience with books Now, uh, please, Tom Not even books on heart disease? Hmm? Oh, why? Uh, excuse me Hello? Oh, yes, Ernest What? Oh, how dreadful Oh, yes, at once Goodbye You're pale I'm shocked Charlie Melvin. You know him? Mr. Clark's secretary. Yes, well, it seems that something's happened to him. What? He's dead. Tell him to hurry, uh, Temper, hurry. Uh, We're almost there. Mr. Hartzell, did Arnaz say who discovered the body? Ah, yes, she did. She'd been visiting some friends, returned home, and... Couldn't have been an accidental death. Coincidence doesn't stretch that far. You know, if he was murdered. You still think the police believe Clark was murdered, too? Not the police, me.
5: Oh, Mr. Hartlock. Oh, Siren.
3: (laughs) Hello, Anna.
5: Come in. Beginning to be embarrassing, all of sudden death.
3: It might be more than embarrassing. It might be fatal.
5: It was, but Charlie...
3: How did it happen?
5: He shot himself.
3: The police, have I just phoned him. Well, then we'd better hurry. Come
5: on. Well, this is his room. In here. I heard the shot. When? About an hour ago.
3: But you phoned Hartzell here only 15 minutes ago.
5: I didn't know it was a shot at first. Charlie was supposed to come upstairs. When he didn't, I realized... Well, there he is.
3: Yes. He's definitely dead, and... A note. Oh,
5: imagine that
3: boy committing suicide. Let's see what the note says. I killed Clark because if he'd been arrested, I would have gone to jail too. But now the police suspect he was murdered and they suspect me. I might as well get it over with before they do. And it's signed, Charlie Melvin. Well,
5: that sort of clears up that, doesn't it?
3: Yes, except for one thing. What's that? Charlie's voice wasn't deep enough. Alexander Graham Bell's little invention should sometimes be strangled. I'm asleep and so should you be. Sampler? Yes.
6: Hartzell?
4: Listen, I'm at the Ensign Club on Trucadero. Yes? Uh, I couldn't go home. Charlie's death so soon after
5: Clark's. Anyway, remember that voice you told me about? I
3: remember it very well.
5: I just heard it. What? Uh, the man with a voice like the one you described was here. I'll be
3: right over. Uh, he's gone now, but I, I followed him outside and heard him give the cab driver his address. Good boy. I have my car. I'll pick you up immediately.
4: Fine, fine. We can go right after him. It's some distance outside the city. The
3: guide traveled to the North Pole for him. You don't measure miles when chasing phantoms of course i i can't be absolutely sure it's the man you want me i'm grabbing at straws. but his voice did sound like your description it was at a club to which clark belonged To make it worth a try all i needed to hear him say something anything a word of a... Phrased, and I'll know. Oh, that shouldn't be difficult. Once we get to him. Once we get to him. Only thing worries me is. Uh, Yes? That his voice can still be heard by the time we get to him. (laughs) Halfway to the North Pole. So you didn't take me literally, did you? You shouldn't be much farther. Uh, Templar. Yes? I don't understand about Charlie. I can't see him murdering Clark somehow. You don't believe he did it? Do you? Not especially. Oh, why not? I don't know. Intuition, maybe. Ooh, our little stranger likes the collusion, doesn't he? Evidently. You know, the police accepted that suicide note without question. Did they? Uh, there's the house. Oh, there aren't any lights showing. Well, he must have got here sometime before us. I went to bed, I guess. Uh, probably. I wonder. Do you think he'll recognize you? Oh, probably. I couldn't see him, but he saw me. Well, that might be bad. Uh, are you armed in case he tries anything? No, but we'll manage. Well, suppose he refuses to to say anything at all. Well, that in itself would answer our question, wouldn't it? We uh, ring. Certainly. Nothing if not courteous. <laughs> it's so so dark out here. So far from. Anything. Yeah. Dark and lonely. You put it beautifully. He... He doesn't answer. Try the door. Uh, Very well. It's open. Good. Then we can walk right in. I I can't see a thing. Wait a minute. I'll light a match. There. The light switch to your left, Hartzell. Oh, yes. Yes, of course. That's much better. Now, then... Hmm... It's a very charming house you have here, Mr. Hart. What did you say? I said you have a very charming house here. My house? Well, you didn't really think I was fooled, did you? That voice you heard in your club was a fiction. It had to be. Our trip here was planned by you so that we'd be alone. Well, why... Why would I want that? The better to kill me, my friend. Kill you, you say? That's what I say. Why... Why... Would I want to kill you? Because, like yourself, I think that suicide note of Charlie's was a fake. Oh, I never said... I did. It is a fake. How did you know? The note ran to the effect that Charlie was committing suicide because the police suspected him of murdering Clark. But the police didn't suspect Clark of being murdered. Perhaps not, but you did. Yes, but Charlie didn't know that, Mr. Hustle. I didn't tell him. I... Very well... Just stay right where you are. Mm, what a handsome revolver. I did kill Charlie, so that there wouldn't be any investigation into Clark's death. I, I I couldn't afford that. If you kill me, there will be an investigation. No, because no one knows you came here with me. You're not going to die. You're going to disappear. Oh? In my front I wouldn't like that too warm. I'm afraid your likes can no longer be considered. Well, in that case, I'll have a cigarette anything in which pocket. Uh, hold on, no, I... Mr. Hartfield, so you will oh. oh, my, you dropped your revolver. <laughs> now I have two. You... You said you weren't armed. I'm such a liar, but then you see, I knew when you asked me why you asked me. So, perhaps I'll be forgiven. Uh, Templer, I killed Charlie, but I didn't kill Clark. I swear I Good didn't... Good heavens, Mr. Hartfield, I never for a moment thought you did. <laughs>
5: a beautiful night, Simon. Poor Mr. Hartzell, all shut up in a dungeon cell.
3: Yes, I'm afraid the beauties of the night are lost to him. Those beauties are also lost to Charlie and Mr. Clark.
5: Mm, Don't be more, but they're better off dead. Well, it would
3: have been nicer to leave that decision to them.
5: Mr. Hartzell, bless his fussy old soul, was really an impulsive man.
3: And a foolish one. Mm.
5: Let's not talk about him anymore. Let's talk... Of your uncle. Why?
3: Because Hartzell didn't kill him. Oh? A man came to me in the middle of the night, in the darkness, so that I never saw him. And told me of a plan to murder Mr. Clark. It was a good plan, absolutely undetectable. Man left. All through this case, I've been looking for a man with a voice like the one that told me of murder. And? There were three people involved. Yourself, who'd get the money if Clark died. Charlie, who'd be saved from jail. Hartzell, who'd be free of embezzlement. Hmm.
5: Uncle certainly spread a lot of joy when he died.
3: Charlie was murdered by Hartzell, but Charlie's was not the voice that spoke to me, nor was Hartzell's.
5: Then whose voice could it possibly have been? Mm,
3: That's the central problem. All right, why did the man come to me in the first place?
5: According to you, to make sure his method of murder would never be detected. But in
3: coming to me, my dear, didn't he make sure of the very opposite?
5: Oh. Well, then he must have wanted you to... That's right.
3: That's right. He wanted me to detect murder, but why? Obviously not because he was going to murder anyone.
5: I don't understand. The
3: only voice in this case that I haven't heard is the voice of your uncle.
5: My uncle?
3: He was my visitor.
5: But why?
3: Why did he do it? Because nobody was going to murder him? Well,
5: what could he hope to accomplish? What
3: he did accomplish. Inez, your uncle was an old man with heart disease on the verge of being arrested for theft, swindling. He knew he wouldn't survive even the shortest prison term. He probably suspected that the strain of the arrest itself might be fatal. And it was. But before he died, he wanted revenge on the lawyer who cheated him and on the secretary who deserted him. So he came to me with his story, figuring that when he died perfectly naturally, murder would be suspected where no murder had taken place.
5: And I worked in it because Hartzell killed Charlie. Hartzell himself is going to die for it.
3: Yes. <laughs> Your uncle must have been quiet,
5: Simon. Yes?
4: Yeah?
5: There's a moon. We've talked of unhappy things long enough. Mm-hmm. Got any etching?
4: Mm-hmm.
5: but hey, wait a minute. I thought you didn't have any the last time I asked
3: you. The last time you asked me, my dear, you were a suspect for murder. Now? Now? Now you're beautiful, you're blonde, and...
5: Yes. It's just
3: plain murder.
2: listening to another transcribed adventure of The Saint, the Robin Hood of modern crime. And now here is our star, Vincent Price.
3: Ladies and gentlemen, poison doesn't always come in bottles, and it isn't always marked with the skull and crossbones of danger. Poison can take the form of words and phrases and acts, the venom of racial and religious hatred. Here in the United States, perhaps more than ever before, we must learn to recognize the poison of prejudice and to discover the antidote to its dangerous effects. Evidences of racial and religious hatred in our country place a potent weapon in the hands of our enemies, providing them with the ammunition of criticism. Moreover, group hatred menaces the entire fabric of democratic life. As for the antidote, you can fight prejudice, first by recognizing it for what it is, and second, by actively accepting or rejecting people on their individual worth, and by speaking up against prejudice and for understanding. Remember, freedom and prejudice can't exist side by side. If you choose freedom, fight prejudice. This is Vincent Price inviting you to join us again next week at the same time for another exciting adventure of the Saints. Good night.
2: The of The Saint was written by Lewis Vittes. Our cast included Gene Bates, Lou Merrill, Fred Howard, Jack Edwards Jr., and Larry Dobkins. The music was composed and conducted by Vaughn Dexter. The Saint, based on characters created by Leslie Charteris, is a James L. Safier production and is directed by Helen Mack. Vincent Price is soon to be seen co-starring in RKO's production of His Kind of Woman. All you Saint fans will be glad to know that The Saint comic books are now on sale at all newsstands. Your announcer is Don Stanley. Programs, get your programs here. Tomorrow night, hear Nightbeat, the adventures of newspaper reporter Randy Stone is portrayed by Frank Lovejoy. Listen as Randy works the Nightbeat of a newspaper in search of unusual interesting stories. That's Nightbeat tomorrow night. Next, Sam Spade cuts a caper. Then, Zeno Franciscotti plays on NBC.
1: Stay tuned for The Jack Benny Show next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Jack Benny to welcome Mel Blank the man of a thousand voices. After beginning his over 60-year career performing in radio, he became known for his work in animation as the voices of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, and Porky Pig. Here's tonight's episode where he stars as Professor Professor LeBlanc giving a violin lesson to Jack.
7: program, starring Jack Benny, with Barry Livingston, Phil Harris, Rochester, Tennessee, and yours truly, Don Wolf. And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's go out to Jack Benny's home in Beverly Hills, where we find, oh, there's something wrong. There's a crowd gathered on the corner near Jack's house. Stand aside, folks. Here comes the ambulance. Let the doctor through. Let the doctor through. Honestly, officer, it wasn't my fault. He jumped right in front of my truck. Jumped in front of your truck?
6: He must
0: be desperate.
6: Oh. Uh, He's coming to, officer. I think you can question him now. Mister? Mister, why did you jump in front of the truck? Today,
8: I have to give Michel Benny a violin lesson. (laughs)
6: He's all right, officer. The truck missed him completely, and he isn't even scratched. So perhaps I will
8: have better luck next time. <laughs> all right, break it up, everybody. Break it up. Mr. Benny's house is right up the street. I know, officer. I know. Well, Professor LeBlanc, come right in. Professor, you're five minutes late. Uh, what detained you? There was an accident on the corner. Another one? Oh, it's getting awful out there. You know, on Wilshire Boulevard, you can't step off the curb without getting hit. Well? <laughs> Wilshire. Wilshire Boulevard. Professor, why are you writing it down? Nothing, nothing. Oh, commissaire oh. Let us commence with the lesson. All right. Just a minute. I'll get my violin. Hmm. That's funny. My violin isn't here. It's always been here. Yeah. I wonder if. Say,
7: I'll bet. Oh, Rochester! Yeah, boy. (laughs) Where is my violin? I wish it was on a slow boat to China.
4: Now stop that
8: Oh, here it is Come on, uh, you can give me my lesson in the den, Professor Oui, monsieur Say, Professor, I've been thinking You charge me two dollars for giving me one lesson a week How much would you charge to come over here twice a week? Eight thousand (laughs) dollars Well, here we are. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, I'll just tune up my violin and we can uh, we can get started. Just just a second there. Yeah. Today we will dispense with the exercises and start with the new piece I gave you last week. Oh yes, yes. I've been working hard on that one. You know. Good, good. Commence. All right. <laughs> You must slide off the string with your little finger.
4: Da, da, da. Now, right. now you try it.
8: all right. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> It was, uh, too high, huh? Yes, take your finger out of your nose. <laughs> huh? Oh, oh, yes, yes. Now, please, Monsieur Benet, let us go back from the beginning. Hmm. Remember, this is a minuet. Think of crinoline, hoop skirts, powdered wigs. When you were a boy. <laughs> Professor, that remark was entirely uncalled for, and I don't appreciate those personal insults. I am sorry, monsieur. You can deduct 15 cents from the lesson. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Let us proceed, please. Yes, sir. The same thing over again? Oui.
7: The mop and pail right in the middle of the floor. When Mr. Benny's through with those things, I wish he'd put them away. Hello, Rochester. Oh, hello, Miss Livingston. Come on in. Is Mr. Benny here? Yes, ma'am. He's in the den taking a violin lesson. It sounds like a cat giving up his ninth life.
9: Oh. <laughs> Rochester, we shouldn't tease Mr. Benny about his violin. He plays beautifully.
7: He does?
4: Yes,
9: Mr. Benny has the total quality of Isaac Stern The bowing touch of Fritz Kreisler And his fingers have the dexterity of a
7: heifus Miss Levinson, do you really believe that?
9: No, but Mr. Benny is playing at the opening of a Turkish bath tomorrow And that's how they're advertising him
7: (laughs) (laughs) A Turkish bath?
9: Yes, their slogan is Get rid of your fat while Benny passes the hat
8: (laughs) Oh, I see Rochester, I'm all through with my... Oh, hello, Mary. I've been taking my violin lessons.
9: Uh, Where's your teacher?
8: Uh, Professor LeBlanc. He's such an emotional fellow. He he jumped out of the window.
9: (laughs) Jumped out of the window?
8: I forgot to ask you for my money. (laughs) Oh, Oh, well, come right in, Professor, and I'll... uh... Hey, wait a minute,
9: Mary. Isn't that Don Wilson sitting out in the car? Yes, Don drove me over.
8: Well, why doesn't he come in?
9: Well, after the way you argued with him at my Thanksgiving party, he won't talk to you.
8: Won't talk to me? And
9: I don't blame him. You owe him an apology, and I'm going to make him come in.
7: John, oh, John, come on in. Well, okay, but I won't talk to Jack.
8: Hmm. What a stubborn guy! If he won't talk to me. I won't talk to him. him come on in, John. Mary, you can tell Jack I came in for you, not for him.
9: Jack, Don says he came in for me, not for you.
8: Well, you can tell Don that just because I made a mistake last week, he doesn't have to pout over it.
9: Don, Jack says just because he made a mistake last week, you don't have to pout over it.
7: Well, you can tell Mr. Benny that if he knew more about history he'd know the Pilgrims landed on Plymouth Rock, not Cape Cod.
9: Mr. Benny, Don says that if you knew more about history, you'd know that the Pilgrims landed... Oh, yeah?
8: Well, you can tell Mr. Wilson that if he doesn't shut up, you'll punch him right in the nose. Uh,
4: Mr.
9: Wilson, Mr. Benny said that if you don't shut up, I'll punch you... What? What? <laughs> Wait a minute, Jack. If you're so mad at him, why don't you punch him in the nose? With fingers
8: that have the dexterity of a high set? Are you crazy? you can tell Don...
9: You can tell him yourself. Tell Don, tell Jack, tell Jack, tell Don. I feel like a carrier pigeon that was caught in a badminton game.
4: Hmm.
9: Now, Jack, you admitted you were wrong for arguing with Don, and I think you owe him an apology.
8: Well, all right. Don, fancy boy... I'm sorry. Well? Don, I'm really sorry, and I, I beg your forgiveness.
7: Well, Jack, only a man of your generosity. Your
8: sense of fair play is big enough to admit that he's made a mistake. I, I accept your apology. Well, thank you, Don. And now that you're here, did you bring the quartet along with you? Oh, no, Jack, I'm sorry. You see, I was so angry with you, I didn't let the boys prepare a commercial for this week's program. Well, that's all right, Don? Gee, you're so clever. I mean, you can do a commercial all by yourself. But, Jack, just one voice? It wouldn't have any color. One voice? What are you talking Why, You're a man of many voices, many moods. I am? Why, certainly. You could do it, Don. Look it. Do it, let's say, uh, the commercial... Well, we'll do it first, like Charles Boyer. Boyer? Sure. Go ahead, Don. Try it. Okay. Blah! <laughs> That's it, that's it, Don. Come with me to the casbah. Your lips look so beautiful holding that Lucky Strike cigarette. How,
4: uh,
9: uh, how is that, Mary? He sounds like Boye and looks like the casbah.
8: <laughs> Mary, please. Now, Don, after you give them Boye, you can switch right into Lionel Barrymore. Lionel Barrymore. Why, well, I can't do that. Sure you can, Don. <laughs> Try it. Okay. Lionel Barrymore. Certainly,
7: Gentlemen of the jury. <laughs> I have come here today to plead my case <laughs> for this package of lucky signs. <laughs> and you can see for yourself that they're made of that fine. that right. That's naturally mine. again. Not again. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> of the jury, light up a lucky and see for yourself. Lord, again. That's (laughs) it, that's wonderful, Don.
8: That's wonderful. And Don, (coughs) to show you how sorry I am that I argued with you last week, I want you to stay here and have dinner with me tonight. Oh, okay, Jack. What are we going to have? I don't know. Rochester, what are we going to have for dinner?
7: Turkey Hayes!
8: Turkey has Thanksgiving is gone But the memory lingers on <laughs> Never mind that Rochester takes three steaks Out of the freezer Mary's gonna say too And by the way Rochester Were there any phone calls While I was taking my, my lesson? No sir See that's funny She's supposed to let me know If our date is okay for tomorrow
1: She? Who's she?
8: I'm not telling But she's really something special And Mary... When I take her out tomorrow, I'm going to have my car washed and polished and everything.
9: Do you think she'll do it?
8: <laughs> oh, stop. Michel Benny, I would like to go. Please pay me for the lesson. Oh, yes, yes, Professor. I- I'm sorry. I'll go get her out. Oh, that must be the girl now. I mean, the call I'm expecting. <laughs> Hello? Well, I know you love me, Jackson, but control the lover. Control?
4: The... <laughs> oh, oh,
8: I'm sorry, Phil. I was expecting a call from a girl. I've got a date. You oh, know. no. No. No, no, no. <laughs> not you, Jackson. Not you. Phil, what's so surprising about my having a date? I can give you plenty of reasons. A, it costs money. B, no gal will ride in that jalopy of yours. C, you can't dance. D, you're too old, and, um, and, uh... Oh, so you ran out of reason. No, I just don't know the rest of the alphabet. (laughs) That I can believe. And just because I have a date with a girl, Phil, you don't have to make such a big thing out of it. Well, I'm just surprised, Jackson. Why? You never have no dates till spring when your blood starts to circulate.
4: (laughs) Look,
8: Phil, I don't want to tie up the phone. What did you call about? Oh, look, I just wanted to let you know I'll be out of town for a few days. I'm going on a hunting trip up in the High Sierras. Oh, the High Sierras, eh? Are you going to hunt bear?
6: Well, we might have... Wait (laughs) a minute.
8: Hey. Hey, wait a minute, Jackson. What? Uh, Ask me that again. (laughs) I said, are you going to hunt bear? No, I'm going to be dressed to kill.
7: <laughs> oh, Jackson, sometimes I wish I was Alice so I could be married to me.
8: <laughs> look, uh, Golden Boy, look, when are you starting on the hunting trip? Right away, Jackson, the dogs are in the car now. Two retrievers. Oh, retrievers? Yeah, they sure are smart the way they're trained to bring things back. They're my favorite dogs. Retrievers? I thought your favorite dog would be a St. Bernard. What's so wonderful about a St. Bernard? A great big dog like that carrying a lousy half pint. <laughs> well, look, Phil, go on, have a good time, and call me when you get back. So long, so long. Good health to
7: all from a wrecked dog. All right,
9: goodbye, goodbye. Well, Still going
7: hunting, Dad? Right
8: away. Yeah, I bet he has a good time, too. Mr. Benny, please do not keep me waiting like you always do. Oh, yes, yes, Professor, your money. I- I'll get it for you.
7: Say, hey, boss, this letter just came from England, and it looked very important. On the envelope, it says from Princess Elizabeth.
8: Oh, my goodness, Princess Elizabeth. Here, read me letter. I mean, let me read it. I'm. Yeah, I'm so. You read it to me, Rochester, will you?
7: Okay. It says. Dear Mr. Bailey, I want to thank you for your kind offer, but regret to inform you that we've already signed up for a diaper service.
8: (laughs) Hmm. See, I cabled my offer the day the little prince was born, you know.
9: Jack, I knew you took in laundry, but when did you start a diaper service?
8: When I grew up and found I was stuck with two dozen of them. (laughs) Rather than waste them, Monsieur I... Benny. Oh, all right, Professor. I'll get you your Hey, wait a minute, Professor. You have a baby. How would you? Like... I don't want
7: diapers. I want money. Oh,
8: well, wait here, Professor. I'll go and get it for you. Whoops! I better answer the door. But Monsieur, I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Here's here for all Notre Dame. Hello, Dennis. Take out the echoes, cheering her name. Hello, Dennis. Send the volley. Oh, hello.
4: <laughs>
9: <laughs> hello, Dennis. How come you still waving that football pennant?
6: Oh, I just got back from the USC Notre Dame game. But
0: Dennis, that game was yesterday.
6: I know. And after it was over, I went down to congratulate some of the USC players, and before I knew it, it, was I was on a bus headed for the campus with the team.
8: Well, that's silly. Why didn't you get off
6: the bus? Notre Dame couldn't get through their line. How could I? <laughs> Did
9: you enjoy the game, day?:
6: Oh, it was wonderful, but I was so confused. What do you mean, confused? Well, I'm Irish, so I felt loyal to Notre Dame, and then again, I live in California, so I felt loyal to USC. See, that's right. Well, who'd you cheer for? Dewey, he feels awful. <laughs> what?
9: I'll take him now, Jack. Don and I set the coin, and I lost.
8: Well, that's sporting of you two.
9: Did you have good seats at the game, Dennis?
6: I sat on the 50-yard line. It was awful. Why? I got chalk all over my pants.
8: (laughs) I'll take him now, Mary. Lucky Don won again. Dennis, why in the world would they let you sit on the playing field?
6: Well, years ago, Coach Jeff Carvat and my mother used to go together.
8: Oh, were they sweethearts?
6: No, they both played in the line at USC.
8: (laughs) Hmm.
9: Heads.
7: Tell me, Dennis. Oh, you lost this time, huh, Yes, yes. Tell me, Dennis, uh, did your mother really play football?
6: Yeah, she says I was her only fumble.
9: (laughs) I'll take heads again.
8: Tell me, Monsieur Denis. (laughs) I do not understand these things, but why would they let a woman play football?
6: Oh, they couldn't tell the difference. She had a crew haircut.
8: (laughs) Well, that does. Look, Dennis, you came over here to let me hear the song you're going to do on the program. Now, for heaven's sake, sing it.
6: Oh, you're just mad because my mother was all American.
8: I am not mad. I am. I want my money. In a minute. I just want to hear this song. Go ahead, Dennis, will you? all oh. that song, Dennis. It'll be fine on the program. Michel Benny. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, oh, by the way, Professor LeBlanc, in case you haven't ordered your Christmas card yet...
7: I do not want Christmas cards. I do not want diet pills. I do not want my pants breast. I'm hungry. I want mommy. <laughs> hungry? Well... No more turkey hash. Mommy! <laughs>
9: Oh, oh. For heaven's sake, Jack, why don't you go down to your vault and get him his money?
8: All right, Mary. Professor, uh, I'll go down to my vault and I'll get your money right now. You can wait right here for me. Don't you? Yeah, I mustn't forget to listen to Don Amici on the new Lucky Strike program tomorrow. Who goes there? Hair of gold, eyes of blue. Oh, it's you, Mr. Benny. Yes. Hello, Ed. Long time no see. Uh, how, uh, How are you feeling? Fine. Say, Mr. Benny, how are things on the outside? Very, very exciting, Ed, very exciting. We just had a presidential election, and Harry Truman was elected. He carried thirty-four states. Gee, thirty-four states. Who carried the other two? <laughs> no, 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 Ed. We have forty-eight now. You see, we took in Arizona, you know, and um, oh, what, what's the matter, Ed? You left the door open. The lights killing me. Oh. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry. Now let's see. I I just need a little money. Excuse me, Ed, while I work the combination on the safe. Shall I sew uh, my eyelids together? Uh, no, no, Ed. It, it isn't necessary, really. Just turn around. That's all. Now let's see. the uh, The combination is right to forty five, left to sixty. Fifteen and left to one ten there. The alarm sound a little weaker than, uh, <laughs> it sound a little weaker than usual? Uh, I'll tell you in a minute, I'm counting the dead gophers. Oh. By the way, Mr. Benny, did you open your vault yesterday? No, no, Ed, that was an earthquake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, let's see, what do I owe the professor... Two dollars for the lesson. Less fifteen cents for insulting me. <laughs> that's a dollar eighty-five. There. Well, that takes care of that. So long, Ed. Goodbye, Mr. Bunny. Drop me a postcard now and then. I will.
4: <laughs> ya
8: yeah, da de, da dum, da. da ba-bom-bum-beetle-dee-dee. Well, here's your money, Professor. Oh, thank you for so many. La, 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 la. Cheesy. French people are so emotional. Well, come on, Don. Would you and Mary like a cocktail before dinner? Oh, now, look, Jack, you don't have to go all this trouble just for me. I, You apologize, and that's all that was necessary. Well,
9: Don, if Jack wants to invite you to dinner, you ought to stay.
8: Certainly. We'll have three big steaks. And all the trimming. Well, thanks, Jack. After all, Don, last week I had a big argument with you, and it was my fault. You were right, and I was too stubborn to admit it. And, as Rudyard Kipling once said, you have suffered the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. So I intend to make it up to you. Jack. I intend to make it up to you. Jack. Huh? Kipling didn't say that. It was Shakespeare. No. No, Don. See, I was reading it just last night, and Kipling... Jack, I happen to be quite a student of Shakespeare, and I say you're wrong. Don. (laughs) Don. Little Lord (laughs) Fackleroy.
7: I say it was Kipling. And I say it was
8: Shakespeare. Kipling! Shakespeare! Don, I can't understand you. I apologize to
7: you for last week. I asked you to stay to dinner. And you start another argument. But I didn't start an argument. I'm only telling you you're wrong. And you're too hard headed to admit it. What? Don Wilson, I'll thank you to leave my house and never darken my doorstep again. All right, I'll go. Goodbye. Goodbye. Hmm.
8: I never saw a guy like Don Wilson. Always arguing, even when he's wrong.
7: But he wasn't
9: wrong, Jack. You were wrong. Shakespeare did say that, not Kipling. I say it was Kipling. Well, I'm not going to stay here and get the argument with you either. You're too stubborn. Goodbye. <laughs>
4: How
8: do you like that?
7: For dinner, sir. Hmm,
8: dinner, sir. What are we going to do with the other two steaks?
7: I only cook one. What? The minute you said Kipling, I knew this was going to happen.
8: <laughs> oh. Well, I'll come as soon as I put my violin away.
7: Well, what are you
8: looking for? I'm looking for that book I was reading last night, that book of Kipling. The
7: book you were reading last night? Well, that was Shakespeare.
8: But on the cover it said Kipling.
7: That's the man you borrowed it from, Sam Kipling. <laughs> oh, yes.
8: Don, and now I'll have to apologize to Don Wilson again. Ah, I'll give him a steak and he'll be happy. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, we wrap up the week with Sam Spade, followed by The Life of Riley. Thanks to Joe Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Zneimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.